0: the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, before we get started talking about a ton of activity in the Philly sports scene, let's give a great shout out to the Irish Rover Station House for hosting our live show on Sunday, March 3rd. Great hospitality, and it was a great time.
1: Yeah, we loved every minute of it, Bill. Real good crowd, and our friend Chris Gaskill, whom you finally got to meet, took great care of us. We had some awesome sports discussions with Brandon and Fred. We gave some stuff away. We met a bunch of people. Let's do it again this summer.
0: Absolutely. And and a quick follow-up, you came out of that thing a couple days later with a Philly Press Box Radio
1: beer glass. (laughs) Yeah, I was back there that Wednesday night. They had a Guinness night, and that was pretty cool because – you bought a Guinness, and they gave you a glass, and they had an engraver there. So, naturally, being the smart guy that I am, I had engraved on my glass Philly Press Box Radio. So now we got to work out some kind of deal. We can get a bunch of those.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to having one, that's for sure.
1: Well, hey, i Dennis, do. It,
0: absolutely. Well, I, I tell you, I'm working behind the scenes as well. So uh, we're going to okay. make that happen somehow. <laughs> hey. Sports World, every day. It's something new. The Eagles have Deshaun Jackson back in the nest. Malik Jackson is in. Jason Peters is re-signed for 2019. Nick Foles is off to the Jags for $88 million. Nice payday for Nick. Stefan Wozniowski is gone. Jordan Hicks is gone. Timmy Jernigan is gone. Michael Bennett is gone. And free agency is just getting started. The Flyers are just five points back, really six, with the tiebreaker out of the wild card spot. Joel Embiid is back. And the Sixers continue to win, and Bryce Harper's on the field. And did I mention it's March and time for March Madness?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. This is a great time of year for sports fans, and unlike some recent years, the Flyers and Phillies are both relevant here in March, very much so. All four Philly pro teams are in play right now, and as you know, there's an abundance of college hoops in the spotlight.
0: Absolutely. And hey, we have a couple great guests tonight, speaking of being in the spotlight, and that really has me fired up. We have Phillies radio analyst Larry Anderson to talk all things Phil's and stats man extraordinaire and director of data at bettersinsider.com. Bob Vitrone Jr. joins us to talk college hoops and much more, including some Sixers and Flyers chat and all of those Eagles moves as well.
1: Yeah, there's so much to discuss on the sports scene that I, I don't think we're going to have time to bitch about my gal, Kate Beckinsale, dating Pete Davidson. <laughs> oh, well. Where do we, we maybe start, we Bill? Could,
0: Maybe <laughs> we could fit that in, because that's a sad <laughs> state of affairs right there. Yes, it is. You know it. Well, hey, as we mentioned, all sorts of Eagles news, so let's start off with that. Uh, there's news all over the NFL uh, chat this week, and it's continuing on today, but I think that the Deshaun Jackson move to the Eagles is really kind of interesting to me because everybody is back on the D-Jax bandwagon after uh, many of them were glad that he was gone just a few years ago. They're happy to
1: have him back. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not crazy excited about it. I mean, the guy's 31. He's had a little problem with injury in recent years. But from what everybody says, he has not lost a step, which which is pretty amazing for a guy who's been in the league, what, nine years or whatever. Uh, he's still maybe the fastest guy in the league, which is certainly going to help. It's going to help spread the field for the Eagles. We'll see what kind of arm Carson Wentz has. We all remember what he did, uh, what Jackson did last year as a member of Tampa Bay, that very first play from scrimmage for the Bucks. So we'd like to see more of that as an Eagle, because I think that could be a, a very nice pairing. And they're bringing Nelson Aguilar back, too, so it's going to be pretty exciting. A lot of weapons for Carson Wentz this year.
0: Well, and I think it's what's going to be also interesting is to see what the fallout is. As you said, Aguilar looks like he survived, uh, but that doesn't say too much for the other guys that they have. I think we're going to see a house cleaning with the rest of those wide receivers.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, they got an abundance of them right now. But before we get off of DJx. I remember Merrill Reese telling me three years ago that his all-time favorite play that he's called in his 40-plus years as the voice of the Eagles prior to the Super Bowl win, of course, was this play from December 2010 that finished off an amazing bird's comeback <laughs> win over the Giants. Here it is. 14 seconds to go. 31-31. Matt dodges the punt. Gets a high snap. Gets it away. It's a knuckler. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Midfield. He's at the 40. He's, oh! he's oh! going to go. The short back. I don't
0: care if he jumps, dives. He's running around. And he's in the end zone. And there's no time. And the Eagles win. The Eagles win. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. Uh, fa- fantastic moment. And And you know what, Chad, let's jump over for just a second. We'll come back to the Eagles. But speaking of the Giants. What about that Odell Beckham move? Uh, that kind of caught everybody off guard. They get they get two draft picks, one of them including a number one and and a and a good quality player, but uh, kind of an interesting move uh, up there in New York. And I think they're in full rebuild mode now. Landon Collins also gone, but going to try to do it with a thirty-eight year old quarterback.
1: Yeah, that's the strange thing. As Peter King tweeted. They're like an expansion team, but with a 38-year-old quarterback, which just doesn't make sense. You know, if you're building for the future, fine, you got the draft picks, but why continue to play Eli Manning? I mean, it's nice that they're devoted to him and loyal to him, but it just doesn't make sense. You know, get somebody else in there to get some uh, experience for whoever the backup is now. Get rid of Eli, because it's time. It's time to move on. Yeah, you got the draft picks, so uh, get rid of Eli and move forward.
0: Well, and I think it—you know—it looks like they're set up. I believe they right now they have 12 draft picks, I believe, in, in the seven rounds. Um, you know, so they—they've got a chance to to get some players, but you got to got to get impact players. And that quarterback position—I mean—are you going to leave Manning around just to let him get killed a year? And uh, poor Saquon Barkley is. <laughs> as much as I want to see the Eagles beat them twice every year, but boy, you got to feel bad for Barkley. He's such a talent.
1: Yeah, and, well, with Beckham going to the Browns, a lot of people are saying the Browns could actually be a playoff contender and maybe even a Super Bowl representative from the AFC. That would be quite a turnaround, you know, for a team that won, what, one game over a two-year span before last season. So the Browns are pretty much loaded on offense right now.
0: Well, yeah, and if you remember back during the season, Fred Hugo, our resident fantasy guy and our football guy, Uh, kept saying that that Browns defense is a pretty good defense to begin with. And now they've added all these offensive weapons, and they are loaded up. I mean they're loaded up on offense uh, to the point that they're probably going to move a couple of those guys out and get better players or better draft picks or whatever. Uh, Now the offensive line may still be in question, but uh, offensive weapons-wise, they are loaded.
1: Yeah, they are. Hey, let's get back to the Eagles before we uh, talk a little baseball. Uh, a lot of guys, as you mentioned, are gone. And I'm kind of sad to see Jordan Hicks go because he's a super nice guy. I had a chance to meet him once. And a very good player. His problem, though, could not stay healthy.
0: Well, yeah, and you know, and I would go so far to say he was an average player. I'm not going to say he was a good player. I, I thought he showed some signs of being good, and then he'd get hurt, like you said, and uh, We'll get to his money a little bit later on. But uh, Timmy Jernigan, also gone. And Jernigan was an impact player, as was Michael Bennett in his one year. Um, So they're both gone, and they're going to try to use Malik Jackson to fill that hole a little bit. So a lot more moves coming there, I
2: think.
1: Yeah, I was a little disappointed about Bennett leaving, but then we heard you know, after the departure that he was not the greatest guy in the locker room and he did not want to take any kind of a pay cut. In fact, he wanted a pay increase, and the Eagles just weren't going to do that. Brandon Graham, though, got a nice extension. Uh, we thought maybe he'd be gone, but they're keeping Brandon Graham around, so good for him. And now we have to figure out what's going to happen with the running backs.
0: Yeah, because, you know, on the free agent side, there's really not a whole lot left out there. Uh, So you're either going to draft one. uh, They still have Jay Ajayi, who is a free agent testing the market with nothing happening, at least it doesn't look like right now. So they're going to have to make a move unless they end up trying to draft somebody or just uh, continue to run off running back by committee.
1: Yeah, I don't know you know, what he's going to be like coming back off the injury. We still don't know anything about Darren Sproles, whether he's going to try to get one more year out of that body or not. I don't think he's going to be back. And, you know, Corey Clement was hurt at the end of this past season, so there's a lot of question marks in that backfield.
0: Yeah, well, Corey Clement, I think, was hurt the entire season. Yeah. And, you know, he, he just struggled all season. He just couldn't get on track, and I believe it was due to injury. But, you know, those guys don't talk about that. They just play. And – uh So I think Corey Clement's certainly a a player in this mix, and uh, maybe he'll step up and be that guy.
1: I hope so. I hope so. And, of course, the key is keeping Carson Wentz healthy on the field for an entire season because, I mean, right now we have Nate Sudfeld as the backup and maybe somebody else will be brought in, but got to keep number 11 healthy.
0: Yep, and they decided to get rid of Wisniewski, which – was kind of interesting to me. You know, I've been a Wiz fan all along, and they kept playing Samala, but uh, I don't know what it was they didn't like about Wisniewski, but he is no longer a Philadelphia Eagle.
1: Well, like a good cheesesteak, sometimes it's Wiz, sometimes it's Wiz-out. Now it's Wiz-out.
0: <laughs> it's out right now. Hey, Chet, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Uh, Clearwater is buzzing with the signing of Bryce Harper. All the games are sold out. There are even tickets on StubHub for spring training games. you got to be kidding me. I hope you already have tickets for your trip down here.
1: Yeah, I'm good to go. I'll be down there at the end of next week, seeing the game, I think, Sunday the 24th against the Orioles, I believe it is. Got my ticket. I'm good to go. I can't wait.
0: Well, I will tell you, a couple days ago, I looked on the Yankees' website because the Yankees, they're playing the Yankees tonight and just just for the heck of it. The only tickets that were available were around the dugout area for
1: $80. Wow. $80 for a spring training game.
0: But well,
1: they, the, they got a lot of the key guys in the lineup tonight. In fact, the first five or six guys are the guys who may be in the lineup opening day, which is nice to see. So, uh, you know, you're going to see Harper and Real Muto and Hopkins – uh, Hoskins, rather, and uh, Franco, I think, is the DH this evening. So a lot of key guys are in there, one through six, and uh, we'll see what they have to offer.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I went to another game uh, since I've been back uh, when they came over to Lakeland again the other day to play the Tigers, and uh, Gene Segura played at shortstop, and the rest were AAA, all the way down the lineup and the pitchers. There was not a varsity player to be found. Uh, if I was paying big money to go to that game, I would not have been happy.
1: Yeah, you hate that. And sometimes that's what you're going to get when it's spring training because sometimes, you know, guys are in a, another game somewhere or working on conditioning, and or sometimes the manager just decides to give, us, to give a bunch of guys off. You just don't know what you're going to get in spring training.
0: That's right. Well, hey, you had a chance to visit with Philly's radio analyst Larry Anderson just today. Uh, this afternoon, is L.A. is fired up with everything as, uh, as everybody else is?
1: I think everybody connected with the Phillies is fired up this spring, Bill. The players, the fans, and yes, the broadcasters like Larry. He couldn't join us live this evening because he's calling the game with that Scott Fransky who we had on two weeks ago. But Larry was kind enough to take some time for me just a few hours ago. Here we go. Talking Happy to be talking Phillies baseball again this year with this guy, the radio analyst for the Phillies, well, for half of the games anyway, the great Larry Anderson. Welcome back, L.A.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me back.
1: Larry, you've been down in Florida a few weeks now. How are you surviving Bryce mania?
3: Uh, It's crazy. It's just insane that, well, maybe not the gas prices, but I think he's affecting every other price. Whether it's flying down here, that the prices have gone up since he signed. Uh, and I know it's spring break time, that the prices they've gone to the airlines is crazy compared to what it used to be. And everything has happened since he signed. It's like it's nuts. And the, the, the excitement, though, the energy is something that I think everybody's looking forward to getting back to, especially some of these young guys. I know Nolan mentioned it, uh, of just the electricity at Citizens Bank Park. When the fans are into it, and when the team's winning, there's no place like it. That's what I love. Why I want this team to win it is so these young kids, can experience what I experienced in 93, in 2008, what those guys experienced. There's nothing like winning in Philadelphia. Yep.
1: It was certainly a long process. It took four months before they finally landed Harper about two weeks ago. What does the addition, beyond the excitement, what does the addition of this 26-year-old six-time All-Star do for the team?
3: Um, on top of the fact that you know he can just put up some numbers, and I know last year was somewhat of an off-year form average-wise, having his bat in that lineup makes everybody else around him better. And I know Franski and Kevin Francis and myself talking the other day about Harper in there and what it's going to do for Hoskins. I think that his first game when he DH'd, he walked, Hoskins comes up, hits home run. I, I think it's going to help the other guys in the lineup – as much as uh, as anything, it's just gonna. You look at the lineup and you go, "Wow, where do, where do you go?" I mean, it's it's one of those lineups where you go, uh, "There's not really an easy out here. Who who can I deal with?" And and that's I think what he does. He just he just he makes it a, a nightmare for the opposing pitchers. That's for sure.
1: Hey, I've said on our show, and I mean it, I really like every single one of the moves Matt Klintak made this offseason. I mean, the acquisitions of Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon, David Robertson, J.T. realmuto all pre-Harper. That's a pretty good bunch of additions.
3: Yeah, no question. For me, accentuated, if the Phillies can extend his contract, the best pickup of the whole winter for any team in Major League Baseball was the Phils getting JT Real Muto. I think that was the biggest free agent catch, or not free agent, but the, the biggest trade or free agent. The big, biggest move of the offseason, I think, was getting JT. You, you give up uh, Sixto Sanchez. He's a, a kid in A ball with an unbelievable ceiling if he stays healthy, and there's no telling what he can do, but he's not pitched above A ball, so I'm always forgetting a, a young player with the track record at the major leagues and give up a minor league guy in, in low a ball no matter I don't care where he is on a prospect list. I think it's just a tremendous move.
1: How about McCutcheon? Does he still have something left?
3: Yeah, no question i you know what and i I said this probably I don't know it, it's ever since I've been broadcasting, so twenty plus years. And there's three players that I've literally gone up to and told them how much I appreciated and respected how they played the game because of the way they respected the game, respected former players, respected the way the game's supposed to be played. And the first one I said it to was David Wright with the Mets. The second one was Chase Utley. And the third one was Andrew McCutcheon when he's with the Pirates. Hmm. Just the way he played the game and, and plays the game. And I think not just what he brings. I mean, to me, any improvement defensively in left field was going to be a plus for the off season. But to get a guy who's done what he's done defensively in center field, now he's in left. Maybe has lost a step or a half a step, but still can go get him. I think that's going to make a huge difference in left field. And for the pitching staff, it's got it's going to be a major upgrade. And that's I guess I guess it is kind of a knock on Reese that I personally thought he could handle left field, but in retrospect and looking. Back at last year, he can't handle that field. He couldn't do what I think Luzinski or Sarge or Burl could do. He just, for whatever reason, he, he couldn't get there. So I think, you know, and the Phillies admitted it. They, they said, hey, we, we made a mistake. And that's, I think, one of the best things the Phillies said admitted they made a mistake trying to put Hoskins in left. Put him back at first base where he's more comfortable and you just make a a tremendous upgrade in left field defensively.
1: You mentioned pitching in there and I guess the one concern a lot of fans still have, including me, is the starting rotation. We know how good Aaron is now. There's optimism Jake Arrieta's repaired knee will allow him to be more like the Jake of a couple of years ago, but after that there are still some question marks. What's your take on the three, four, five guys in the rotation?
3: Um, They better improve. (laughs) We're we're looking at you know, I know they, they carried this team for four and a half months, the starting pitching did last year. But the problem is the season's six months. And the way they finished is worrisome in that does that carry into spring training? You know, Pavetta's struggling. Velasquez has struggled. Uh, eplin has been okay. But that, you're talking about, you know, three-fifths of your, of your rotation. For me personally, I was surprised that we didn't give half more interest Um And I know it was that he wanted a third year, and the Phillies didn't want to give him that third year. But to me, I mean, if you're going to spend stupid money, that is some really good, stupid money to spend, I think, to give half an extra year to help this rotation. I mean, this is a guy that had a 365 ERA, and I know it's about FIP anymore, but. He had a 3.65 ERA in American League East last year. That's facing Boston Yankees, or, you know, depending on what team he was pitching for. I, I just don't think he could have gone wrong with having him sticking him in the rotation. I, I, whether they'll make a move and, and try and get somebody's rotation now, I don't know. It might be probably not too late, but they, they've said they want to stay with these young young pitchers, and I I think their upside, their ceiling is tremendous. They've got tremendous upside, but how long is it going to take for them to get to that upside? You know, and they're not all going to uh, improve at the same rate. At the same speed, so you know that's going to be up to the offense to overcome some shortcomings in the pitching. And let, unless they get things turned around, the stuff is there. It's, it's not a matter of you know they don't have the, the stuff to get guys out. They're certainly, I think Pavetta, and I've said this, and I think if he came up with a changeup and got comfortable with it and just got a little better with his command, he's got Scherzer kind of stuff. And I know that's crazy probably for people to hear, but he does. He has that kind of stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, Scherzer can go out there and throw any pitch at any time and any count in any situation, whereas Pavetta can't do that. And that's the difference between the Cy Youngs and the guys that have the potential but aren't there is consistency. That's the whole thing, and that's, that's what we have to get from, from those three, four, and five starters.
1: Yep, hopefully one of those guys will have a breakout year.
3: Yeah.
1: I, I said on our show last week, one of the most important guys on the Phillies this year just might be Chris Young, the new pitching coach. You would know better than me, how big an impact does a coach have on
3: pitchers? A big impact. I mean, the the biggest thing is the pitchers themselves having confidence in their pitching coach. And I've had pitching coaches who, you know, people swore by some of the greatest pitching coaches in all of baseball. And and I've had them coach me, and one in particular who I just did not think was a good coach at all. In fact, I thought he was terrible. But he was a big-time, big-league pitching coach for a lot of years. He's retired now recently from, I guess his last club was St. Louis. But I just, you know, some people raved about Dave Duncan. I, I just did not think he was a, for me, when, when I had him as a pitching coach, I thought he was terrible. The best advice he gave me was I need to find my rhythm. Okay, well, that's, that's super. That's just, that's some great coaching right there. Meanwhile, he's working with the bad boy in the bullpen, and I'm out shagging in left field. So, you know, those things happen. It's, it just depends on who you have and, and how you relate to, to your pitchers. And I think that's the biggest thing. If, if CY, if Chris Young can, is relatable to these pitchers and, and they trust in him, that's the battle. It doesn't really, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of him. It's, it's like when people ask me about Gabe Kapler, it's like, what, what do you think of Gabe? It's like, it doesn't matter what I think. What do the players think of him? That's what matters, and the players like playing for him. So yeah. that's all that matters. Same thing with the pitching coach.
1: The Phillies bullpen is pretty crowded. You got Sir Anthony, Robertson, Nerez, Hunter, Nishak, Morgan, Ramos, a few others. Will Gabe mix and match there or how do you see things shaking out over the final three innings of tight games?
3: I think he's gonna try and do kind of I don't want to say by committee, but maybe by matchup. I, I think you're gonna see Robertson, Dominguez, Neres near the end of games, maybe some Nishak. They've certainly got they've got the arms, they've got the stuff. I, I think the bullpen is really one of the strengths of this ball club. And then I think as the season goes along, I mean I think Gabe is not opposed to having a closer you know, one guy to pitch the ninth. I, I don't I don't think he is at all. If if he had a guy with the track record like Kim Roll or somebody like that, I don't think he'd be afraid at all to name a closer but until somebody steps up and says, I can handle that ninth inning every game for however many games you need me. Until that guy steps up, I, I think he'll just go with probably a combination of Sir Anthony and Naris and Robertson to close games out. And Just depending on what the situation arises at, at that eighth, ninth inning, I think will determine what he does.
1: You mentioned that you think Reese Hoskins will have a big year with Harper, yeah. most likely batting the head. And what about Michael Franco? I think he's primed for a good year also.
3: I think he's one of those. I, I think the fact that Machado is not here, That's done with. We're not getting them. They're not talking about somebody coming in. I think that's going to help Franco relax and go out there. And for me, what he's got to do is just go out there, trust himself, and not be content, you know, not having to worry about Machado, but going out there and just really having a mindset of, you know what, I'm going to go out here, I'm going to put up some numbers. And he's in a situation because everybody's talking about Harper, Hoskins, and Kutchen, Segura. He can just quietly go out there And I think he can certainly um, Put up better numbers than last year He had a pretty good year last year But I think he can do even better And I think with no pressure Not worrying about any trades Or getting moved around Or traded or whatever I think for him to go up there And relax and just do his thing he's He's got the potential to hit 25 And drive in 100 uh, There's no question about it I, I think he's got a, a good chance of doing that
1: Speaking of numbers I think the over-under from Vegas Is 89.5 for the Phil's. What do you say, Larry?
3: Wow. You know what, there's a big if to it. If the rotation does what they did the first four and a half months last year, I think they can hit 90-plus. If that rotation doesn't improve over last year or the last six, seven weeks, might be hard-pressed to, to get 84. It's going to come down to the pitching, and obviously the offense is much better, so that's going to overcome some of the pitching woes that, that might, they might run into with the young staff. But I think just the, getting that consistency from those starters, if they get a little bit of consistency and a little bit of improvement from each of the three, if Covetta, Eflin, and velazquez I, I think 90 is well within reach.
1: Final thing, L.A., the Phil's radio crew downsized a bit a few months ago, going from three Kevins down to
3: just one.
1: Any <laughs> advice for Kevin friends, and as he gets set to work a full season of road games with your pal Scott Fransky?
3: Um, be on your toes. Just be ready for him to lead you down a bad path, because he will do it. <laughs> 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 I love it. No, I, I tell you, it's it great to have him on board. Lots of energy. He loved his time in Philly. A good baseball guy. And he's, uh, I'll put it this way, not as an old timer as much as I am, whereas I'm more traditionalist, not as up to beat on the analytics, trying to get there. But I think Franson's already there and got a good idea. A big help in the radio booth.
1: Larry, as I knew it would be, this was great fun. Thanks for visiting Philly Press Box Radio again. Have a fantastic season.
3: Thanks, Jet. You too, pal. Appreciate it. Hey Chad,
0: I gotta tell you, LA is on top of it and what even makes me happier is him and I are in complete agreement. The JT Riamuto comment, which I actually made to you uh last or two weeks ago, uh I'm a hundred percent on board with that and with McCutcheon.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love talking to Larry and uh it was great hearing and throw Dave Duncan under the bus, by the way. Uh Larry's a good guy, knows his baseball, certainly. And I've heard a lot of people say that about McCutcheon, just a great guy, knows how to play the game, plays it right, respects the game. So, yeah, we agree with Larry on that one.
0: Well, and you know I'm a fan of Andrew McCutcheon from long time ago. Yep. Hey, one one other comment I want to make, Chet, though, because I think uh, – and you could hear it in L.A.'s voice, and, it's, and I hear it everywhere I'm going around down here um, – I just hope that the Bryce Harper thing is so, it's so hyped up. I hope that it works out. You know, I mean, if the guy, I I think the expectation is, first of all, he's a 250, uh, 260 hitter, career hitter, that he's going to hit 300 and he's going to hit 40, 50 home runs, drive in 130 runs. That's not, that's probably not feasible.
1: No, probably not. So people have high expectations, understandably, but uh, it's more about just him fitting in and helping the other players around him have better seasons. So, you know, don't expect, like you said, you know, 45, 50 home runs and a gazillion RBI. Just put up some solid numbers, play good defense, too, which we want to see, and make the other players around you have better seasons, too. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun watching this whole thing play out. And, and, And win. Most importantly, and win. That would be nice.
0: All right. Well, hey, Chet, we mentioned early on about thanking the Irish Rover Station House. So tell us what's going on at the Rover.
1: As you might guess, this is a big week at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, and it'll be the place to be all weekend, with things culminating on Sunday, which happens to be St. Paddy's Day. There'll be bagpipers and Irish dancers. The John Byrne Band is there from noon till 4 Sunday. Then DJ Endo takes over at 5. And, of course, the Irish Rover will be serving its famous corned beef and cabbage all day long. Plus your favorite Irish beers, and craft brews. Don't miss it. Now, beyond St. Patrick's Day, there's a painting party on Tuesday the 19th, and the Blue Moon team will be there Wednesday evening the 20th. All of that, plus the usual great stuff, food and drink specials, happy hour deals, and much more. It's the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne.
0: And
3: they call her the Irish Rover.
0: Why do I think that you will probably be in attendance at one of those events?
1: I haven't scheduled my weekend outings as yet, but it is a good possibility that I'll be there at some point.
0: All right. Hey, we skipped random Q2 on Sunday, so it's time to get back to it, explain the process, get ask away. I am ready for you, my friend.
1: Yes, sir, Bill. Week six of our third season of Random Q2. Again, Random Q2, a ten-week series where over two minutes or so each week, I hit Bill with two questions, one about a sports topic, usually something timely. The second question, one of ten random questions that have already been written down about whatever they were written down weeks ago. Bill will pick a number from one to ten depending on what's left. Here we go. Bill, we got the news last week that a legendary Baseball Hall of Famer has dementia and is essentially retiring from public life. He won't make it to the 50th anniversary celebration of the 69 Miracle Mets. Any special memories of 311 game winner and three-time Cy Young Award winner Tom Seaver?
0: Well, you know, Ted, I wouldn't say that I have special memories about him in particular, except probably the amazing Mets of 69, but just the fact that when Tom Seaver was on the Hill, you knew, it was like with Steve Carlton, you knew every night Something good was going to happen, and he was going to be a bulldog every single night. Just an absolute legend in our era of watching baseball.
1: Yeah, he was a great pitcher, great to watch for a lot of years, and we certainly wish him the best. And, uh, you know, hope that he enjoys what's left in his life and that his friends and family around him take good care of him.
0: Absolutely.
1: All right, your second question, Bill. You know the drill. Pick a number, but you've already taken one, five seven, and ten, even number two. One, two, five, seven, and ten are out. So you have left three, four, six, eight, and nine. Let's go with eight tonight. Number eight. Here we go, Bill. If you were able to just have one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be?
0: One meal every day. Uh, well, I've already told you about my uh, liking Italian food, so – uh I'm going to go with just a good old spaghetti and uh, whatever meat they'll throw in. Sausage, pepperoni, meatballs, it's all good. That's what I'm going with.
1: Yeah, you can't go wrong with Italian. I would have just said pizza because I could eat pizza, and I often have eaten pizza four or five days a week. So pizza's fine with me just about any time. Well,
0: well, I was going to say that, but I already do that.
1: so <laughs> I, was, I was looking for the rest. It's just so easy, <laughs> and even bad pizza is not too bad.
0: Uh, that's right. That's right. Carry so how did I do tonight? Am I good?
1: You're good. You did great. We got a guest on
0: the line. Let's get to him. I know. And, you know, our plan with our next guest, stats man Extraordinaire, Director of Data at, data at BettersInsider.com, Bob Patrone Jr., was to talk a lot of college hoops. I hope we even get to college hoops. Because there's been so much activity, a lot of odds have moved all over the board in all the sports. So let's see what's going on here, and let's welcome Boop back to the show.
2: I just want to say, just one meal every day for the rest of my life? That's not same worth meal. living. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gotta be the same you one do, every do,
2: I know you like
1: to just eat, Boop. <laughs> yes. Just
2: all right, let's minute. talk a
1: little hoop. Okay. <laughs> You've been... You've been keeping a daily tab, I know, on the NCAA Tournament Outlook. Lots of conference tournaments last week and this week. We're four days away from Selection Sunday. How many teams are absolutely in already? What's it shaping up? What's it looking like right now?
2: Well, there are actually 11 bids that have been given out. Uh, There are – and my guess, just what I do is I go by how teams get eliminated. Uh, We started with 353. Five of them were ineligible. And then as teams lose in their tournament and obviously aren't going to get in, they're out. Uh, My count right now is that there are 11 bids in, and I also don't count at-large teams until they've been eliminated for an automatic bid. That's easier for me to deal with, and I apologize for my dogs. I think my wife just got home. Um, So there are 11 bids. There are two at large. One is definitely in. The other is probably in. And then there are 203 schools still vying for the 21 automatic bids that will be determined over the next five days. Uh, That's my fun part, seeing that number 203 go down each day or, or as I used to do in the old days when I was locked behind a desk almost minute by minute as games would get over in the early afternoons and the early evenings. So, um, 203 teams still vying for 21 large bids. I love that. Well,
0: and, and where do you see Villanova and Temple fitting in this as the locals that are they, are they going to get in and get uh decent seeds?
2: Yeah, I think Villanova is pretty much going to be a six. Um, you know, Hope again. Body of work is what the selection is looking at, and I hope, and they're looking at the early season body of work of Villanova. Um, they may go up or down depending on their tournament, uh, how they play in the tournament. Simply because they're coming in off of a loss for the first time since 2012. So, I usually think the best teams in the conf- in each conference don't have much to lose in the conference tournament because they've made their mark. But because Villanova's had such a roller coaster of a year, you know, even at that high level, they could lose or go up or down a seed level, depending on if they bottom out on Thursday afternoon, or make a good run and, and beat Marquette again on Saturday. So they could go up or down, which is not normally the case, I think, for them as they're the number one seed in the Big East. Temple, I think, did a great job down the end of the stretch. I think they've secured by the the three or four bracketology people I look at crazy, I think they've pretty much gotten in um, they've beaten some good teams. Their conference is really good. Their conference is basically the seventh major, um, and they've played well. They have a really good um, couple of individual guys that have played really, really well down the stretch. So it would it would surprise me that even with a first-round loss, and they don't know who they're playing yet, that they would be out. But now you got the Mid-American Conference where Buffalo, who is in the top 18 of the net rankings, if they lose, Buffalo's going to get in, and that's one less spot. The other place to look if you're a Temple fan is the Midwest, is the Mountain West Conference. Nevada is in the top 20 of the net rankings. Utah State's 30th in the net rankings. So if, if for some reason one of those two don't win the Mountain West Conference, that could be one or two more bids that get taken away. Now it starts to get hairy for the bubble team. So um, we'll be all, eyes all over the Mid-American Conference and the Mountain West Conference starting Thursday. Hey, just a quick aside boop. How does Penn win
1: the Big 5 but just go 7 and 7 in the Ivy League? Are Harvard and Yale that much better?
2: Uh, no, I at, at various times during the year they were, I believe Harvard or I forget one of them was the absolute preseason favorite, um and then Penn came out of the shoe like gangbusters. Um, and then Penn, you know, who, boy, had an injury five minutes into the year and then a couple injuries through the year. Um, they, they've had an up-and-down year, too. The fact that they wrecked, that they um, rebounded to get to the Ivy tournament is a real plus for them, um, especially since their best player, A.J. Berdour, is only a junior. So, you know, he's got another year. Um, by the way, if they don't make the tournament, they'll be just the sixth Big Five 4-0 team in 69 years to not make the tournament. Oh, wow. wow. Interesting. Hey, by the way,
1: what do you think of the NCAA Sorry. tournament being a 68-team field? Would it be better to go back to 64, or are you okay with the four play-in games?
2: I'm a mathematician, so I love the 64 because it's 2 to the 6 power. But I like 68, and here's why, and here's the little bit tweak they should do. 32 at-large bids is phenomenal. The SWAC, the MIAC, the Big Sky, everybody, every team in the country, if you're eligible, has a shot to get to the tournament. That's spectacular. So the 32 at-large bids are locked in. Now, in effect, you have 32, I mean, the 32 automatics. Now, in effect, you have 32 at-large bids that you're handing six people in a room five days to come up with. That's very inexact science. So rather than them picking 32 teams, they're, in effect, picking 36 teams they're giving themselves a little bit of a leeway of four extra teams. So that covers their butt, I think is that if you're not in the 64 and you're not the next four that are getting in, you didn't do enough during your year to get in. My only caveat would be, I would like to see the bottom eight teams, the bottom eight at large teams in the play in games, as opposed to the 16 seeds that do that. Now, I know that costs the 16 teams money because it's one less game they play, but to me, it's if the committee gets to 26 to 28 teams, and then the next eight teams play in for the last four. I think you've covered everybody, and everybody's had a pretty good shot to get in, and you know, a almost like a second elimination tournament um, comes on comes up on that Tuesday and Wednesday.
0: Well, Boop, as we as we go into these tournaments, we've got Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, Houston, Kentucky. Uh, there's a whole bunch of good teams. Do you see any of these teams getting knocked off, or who do you see finally being uh, the top four seeds?
2: Well, you know, I, I, there's a lot of question about Gonzaga still holding on to their number one seed um, after losing to St. Mary's, which is not a terrible thing. St. Mary's is good, not as good as some of the old St. Mary's teams in the last decade, but still pretty good. Um, Gonzaga had won 18 straight. They were playing probably as well as anybody in the country, um, considering their, their – um, conference and all, which obviously is not a bad conference. The thing about, I've always always thought Gonzaga one year is going to win the tournament. I think they have a real great advantage in the fact that their tournament gets over a week early, and there's not the scramble to finish your title game, get home, watch the selection show, and start getting tape on your team. Uh, Mark Few has a week to sit back. Look at what they did against St. Mary's, maybe correct it, work on some other stuff, and get some guys healthy. So I always thought Gonzaga is going to win a title at some point. Now, the cool Gonzaga stat of the week for me was they beat St. Mary's by 48 during the year, and then they come back and lose to them in the final. That That's amazing. That was an wow. amazing number. Yeah, so I'm, I'm always kind of rooting for Gonzaga. Um, I think they're going to hold on to the number one seed, but there are people out there that know better than I that think they might lose it. And who are the others? Uh, Virginia, North Carolina, and Duke. There is talk of a three, one, three ACC's getting the one seed. Um, and then beyond that, I believe at LSU, Kentucky, there's a whole other set that could be the next one. So um, a lot of that will play out during the week. And that's part of the fun of this week, which, again, for those teams, is almost like a quasi-single elimination. Um, you know, do you get knocked out of your one seed? Do you have to – Play a tougher road. Do you get that for a lot of those teams? Do you get sent to a farther city in the tournament than the close one that you would like as the benefit of a higher seed? Boop. Speaking of basketball,
1: I want to ask you about the Sixers. How far can they go this spring? And you have some interesting stats about the Sixers. You tell me.
2: Yeah, I want to congratulate Joel Embiid last night on his hundredth, hundred fiftieth career game. Which sounds great until you realize he's missed two hundred and forty six. Um, <laughs> you know that just. My thing about the Sixers is cohesiveness. I don't know nearly enough as much about NBA basketball in 2019 as I do in college basketball or that I knew about the NBA back in the 1970s. But I don't know how important cohesion is in today's NBA. And the Sixers don't have that. You know, they had new guys come in, and they played well for a game or two, and one guy would play good, the other guy wouldn't, and then Embiid gets hurt, and now Butler has a day off, and this guy does that. And I just don't – my thing about the NBA, what little bit I know is that the only way NBA teams get better are by playing the games because they don't get all those great many practices because of the travel. They're not playing games together as a whole and haven't for two weeks now, and I don't know if they will down the stretch. Um the basketball I know means you've got to know the other guys in your court, especially if you're going to play teams that have as much talent as you do, and there are a team or a couple of teams in the Eastern Conference that do. So I'm looking forward to the Sixers' cohesion down the stretch as much as anything. The one good stat I've seen in the Sixers is, you know, Ben Simmons obviously has numbers after yin-yang, but all of a sudden he's a good free throw shooter. Last five games he's shooting 78% after yep. shooting 58% for his career. So that is a, a good sign, physically that he can make a free throw, and mentally I think that he has at some point decided to develop another part of his game that he, you know, he had not been well at.
0: Well, Boop, let's jump over real quick so we don't run out of time and, and not be able to hit you up on Deshaun Jackson coming back to the Eagles. I know you have some information on him as well. And uh, first of all, what do you think of that move bringing Jackson back?
2: Absolutely spectacular. I, I would have done it an hour after he left, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Whenever, some, when as soon as they said they were getting rid of him, I would have told Chip Kelly, "Here's your ticket. Have a nice trip. I'm bringing him. I'm going to get him before he. am going to send John Clark to the airport to get a guy before he leaves, and bring him right back." That was that was one of the worst moves in the history of the organization. Um, so I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's still good. You know, he averaged 19 yards. Uh, he led the league in yards per catch last year, so he still has it. Um, you know, they it's, it's a weapon they need. He's not going to be pushing anybody out of a job because he's, you know, by far going to be their deepest threat. Here's my Deshaun Jackson stat for you. In the last 14 Eagles games in which he's appeared, either as an Eagle or as a team playing the Eagles, his team is 12-2. and two.
0: That's what you need to know. It's all about the W's.
2: Yeah. Yes, it is. Hey, what we need to know is,
1: uh, what is bettorsinsider.com? I didn't even know you were involved with this until a couple of weeks ago. How did this start, and what exactly does a director of data do?
2: Uh, yeah, well, it, put it this way. The original title was going to be Darth Data, um, but that didn't <laughs> work out. It is a very laid-back look at, a, a, sports betting, and, B, a lot of the other types of gambling that's out there. Howard Gensler, who used to wrote, write the Tattle. Uh, column for the Daily News for many years, and I had talked yep. about different projects through the years that we may want to take on at some point. So when we both left the Daily News together and then sports betting became legal, we settled on this. It is a laid-back look at sports betting in general, other gambling such as the casinos and horse racing and e-gaming um, and the casino entertainment industry and stuff like that. And, and I do some regular non-gambling stuff on the site. Um, it is... I, I don't want to keep saying laid back, but it's not the hardcore, you know, give me a thousand down, um, you know, lucky lucky Dan to show. It's not that, the sting thing where you bet the horse for $10,000. This is just some guys, Mike Kern, Chuck Darrow, sitting around saying, hey, imagine three guys sitting at the water cooler talking about who you like the, in the Pepperdine uh, California game and why <laughs> you like them, and then everybody sits and decides whether they're going to bet them or not. Um, so it's, it's a work in progress. I think the whole sports betting thing throughout is still learning, feeling its way around from the people that are running it to the casinos, to the sports books. And we're on the other side of it, trying to figure out what the best place is for us. Um, and we have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, like I said, I have a quiz every day at noon that I put up. I've got three or four stats that I stick in there that are out there sometimes. And then we do some stuff. I've got some guest pickers, uh, some former players and some uh, former sports journalists are going to make some NCAA tournament picks for us. So we're trying to have some fun, uh, capitalize on what's going on in the world of sports betting. And, you know, and if anybody wants to go to the site and check it out and has any ideas for what stuff we should do or shouldn't do, feel free.
0: Well, I have two things for you. Uh, First one, you said standing around the water cooler. And I was wondering if Splits Bar and Grill is really the office. That was my first it question.
2: Is the, is, I, I just got word about an hour ago. One of the people making the selections is Sean Lynn, who is the manager of, and I can use this term, the unofficial South Jersey um, headquarters of BettersInsider.com. Okay. Well, we wanted
0: to get, we we figured we would give Splits Bar and Grill and Maple yep. Shade a, uh, a a plug for you. How's that?
2: I appreciate that very much.
0: All right. Now, my other question for you, because I I've said this before on the show, and uh, and it still blows my mind. Christmas week, I'm in Vegas on a little vacation, and I am not a better. But I okay. decide I'm there with my boys, and I'm going to place a bet. Okay, on the Orange Bowl, Oklahoma, Alabama, and the over under is 78. I take the under at 78. Uh-huh. Six yep. hours before the game, they move the line to 80.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. The game ends at 79. How's yeah. that happen?
2: You know, one of the uh, things that um, we talked about having a calm, and once we get going more, having a guy who only looks at those bad beats because they happen all the time. Sometimes they happen on wacky plays. Uh, Sometimes they happen on, you know, uh, because a team just stops playing. So those things are wild. Um, The entire integrity of, to me, that is – that goes to reinforce the fact that you should never bet money you don't have. So you know those things are going to happen. I mean you have to look at like things like uh, UMBC last year and you know Shamanad back in the day. And so m- the gist of our site is have some fun. You're not going to lay ten thousand dollars down. And yes, you can have the best over number, uh, the best under number going and still lose by a point. But you still got to have fun with it. Right. Boop. Final
1: thing from I'm me. I noticed this, well, the in middle your-
2: yeah. And I'll tell you one thing I did this week was I happened to log on to one of my sites early during the day, and uh, Tobias Harris had an over under of 22.5 points. So I bet the under. And then an hour later, I went to another site, and his over under was 20.5 points. So I bet the over. So I basically <laughs> knew I was going to either finish even, or if he got 20 or 21, 21 or 22 points, win both bets. There you go. So I Very love wild. middling. I also have a thing. couple of middles on Philly's wins. I think I have eighty under eighty nine and over eighty four. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm mm-hmm. saying around ninety, so we'll see. Yeah. I noticed
1: in your Twitter profile something about the E Street Band. Now I don't think you were in that group, but rather that you're a big Bruce fan. So how many times have you seen Bruce and company?
2: Uh, I've seen the E Street Band, and I I I say the E Street Band because I've seen Bruce by himself and it's great, and I appreciate it. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, I've seen E Street Band about 45 times, and I equate the E Street Band with a really good sports team um, that just as good as they are individually, they get together, and just the greater than the sum of their parts, put it that way. Um, you know, those guys have a long history of good uh, music. Um, two of them played on Bad Out of Hell, you know, Clarence uh, did a lot of stuff with Jackson Brown. You know, um, Nils Lofgren was probably the greatest guitar player not named Bruce Springsteen before he hired him. So these guys can play on their own. Then they get together, and they hit a level that is absolutely beyond anything I've ever seen in a performance-wise. And they're led by the guy that might be the greatest leader in any, any um, aspect, any athletic aspect, entertaining sports or otherwise, where the guy just goes out lets it off for the whole night, entertains, has fun with it, and he knows his audience. And it's just those four or five hours that I've had for 40 or 50 times are just, other than having a wife and kids, probably the greatest hours of my life. There you go. Awesome. Well,
0: hey, Boop, well, before we wrap it up, uh, let the listeners know where they can follow you, your website's name, all that, everything you got going you on real quick.
2: You can follow me at Twitter, at PoopStats. Uh, You can follow our site on Twitter at bettersinsider.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-S, insider.com. And bettersinsider.com is uh, the website. Uh, But if you follow me at BoopStats, a lot of the stuff I do, and and, then everybody else goes right through my Twitter, and you can get to the other place through my Twitter account. And um, like I said, more than anything at this point, we're looking for people to tell us what we're doing right, or what we're doing wrong or what we need to do or what we don't need to do. And, you know, all that help would be greatly appreciated um, from your listeners and from both of you also.
0: All right. Sounds good. Well, hey, we appreciate you taking the time to join us, and uh, let's do it again.
2: Absolutely. What are you doing tomorrow night? <laughs> <laughs> Watching basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I got a 12 o'clock, a noon date in the bar. I bet there you, you go. Too. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. be good.
0: All right. Hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate in Westchester, PA.
1: Yep, the same person you count on to help protect you. He can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal, then show you the right financial solutions to help you get there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave LaVoy in Westchester, That's 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. Again, it's Dave LaVoy in Westchester at Allstate, 610-430-0700. Hey,
0: Jed, the Flyers, five points out of that wild card spot, as we said, six points for the tiebreaker. Carter Hart is back for tomorrow night's game in the pipes against the Capitals. Are they really going to be able to pull this thing off, or is it, are we still just wishing- uh,
1: I hate to be the guy to say it, but I don't think they are going to pull it off. Yeah, they're 18-5-2 in their last 25 games, which is phenomenal, but there's only 13 games left, and that's one problem. Another issue is that their schedule over the next week or so is really tough. The Capitals, the Maple Leafs, the Penguins, the Canadians, four teams that happen to be ahead of them in the standings. I know the Flyers have played very well of late, but the tough schedule and – Time are just not on their side.
0: Yeah, I think they're a little far back. Those two that that week they lost those two out of three. They needed to win at least one of those one more of those games, and they didn't do it. But hey, speaking of being back, Joel Embiid is back, and he's really good.
1: Yeah, I mean he got off to a rough start last night. The whole team did. They played down to the level of the awful Cavaliers. But I'll tell you, in the final minutes of that game, he came up huge. Made a couple of shots, blocked a couple of shots pulled down some rebounds. He was a dominating force the last couple of minutes of that game, and the Sixers got the W. It wasn't pretty, but I'll tell you, he is the key guy for them. That's why they're only, what, five and seven in the games that he has not played. I think they went four and four the last time he went out, but before that they were one and three. So, yeah, five and seven in games without Embiid in the lineup. They need him to stay healthy.
0: Well, I think I have not gotten to see every one of their games Uh, but I think that was maybe the best defensive game that I think I've seen him play.
1: Yeah, he was terrific, and kudos to Ben Simmons also. Ben had a real good night, only uh, two turnovers, I think, and he had, what, 25 points, 10 or 11 rebounds, so another solid effort from him. And as Boop mentioned, he has been shooting the free throws a lot better, 78% or so over the last five or six games. So kudos to him. Still want to see him take some jump shots, but – it's starting to come together, I think. They've got, what, 14 games left or whatever. They're still on pace for 52 wins, just like last year. And you've got to use these last few weeks of the season to get ready for the postseason.
0: Yep, time to get tuned up. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Razz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's ppcc 118 razroom That's right, ppcc 118 razroom on Facebook. And, hey, Chad, our man Corey over there at uh, – the Irish Rover Station has the one, the Brian Dawkins jersey. Yeah. courtesy of the Raz Room, was pretty excited about that.
1: Oh, as as well he should be. That was a great jersey, and uh, he was happy about it. We got some pictures with him, and like I said, we're going to do that again in July, and hopefully have something else to Raz off and you know give some other stuff away too.
0: Absolutely. All right. Hey, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio? roundtable next week, Chet, because I'm going to tell you, Larry Anderson and Bob Vitrone were two fantastic guests <laughs> tonight.
1: Yeah, well, we got another one next week. One guest is confirmed for next week, and he's a guy that we have on every spring at about this time as we continue to cover all the bases. See what I did there in terms of Phillies baseball? It is the television voice of the Phillies, Mac, Tom McCarthy, joining us. We will also have a second guest still to be determined.
0: Well, you you know we're going to be loaded up with T-Mac. He'll be uh, he'll be 3 weeks into spring training and he will have all the information that we are possibly going to need. I am sure.
1: Love talking to T-Mac.
0: You know it. Well, hey, let's uh, remind our listeners to visit our Philly Press Box Radio website, phillypressboxradio.com. We we'll cover all the big stories of the Philly sports team. Also write a few articles ourselves. We even get a couple movie reviews in there every so often, Chet. <laughs> you can listen to our last two podcasts, or our latest Vimeo as well. You still have our sponsor banners going across the top. You can click on the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, Allstate Insurance banners, and go directly to their websites. Remember, it's phillypressboxradio.com.
1: Yeah, that's all true. And remember if you're if you're listening right now, you obviously know how to find us, but remember also subscribe to our show on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to the show called Philly Pressbox Radio Roundtable. Leave us a nice review if you have a moment. We would appreciate that. We're also on Stitcher and check out the TuneIn app. I'm a big fan of TuneIn, so favorite us on there.
0: Right. And you can also go to Blog Talk Radio dot com slash philly press box radio and you can like us there as well so you can get all of our updates
1: all sorts of places to find us
0: you betcha and with that do we have a parting shot for you mr chesco and may is this your kate beckinsale time
1: no i'm not going to talk about kate i'm too upset <laughs> i'm going to talk about football <laughs> the nfl bill is pretty impressive the season goes from early september through early february Five months of games that matter, yet the league somehow keeps our attention year-round with off-the-field stuff. No, I'm not talking about you, Bob Kraft. Coaching changes, the combines, <laughs> free agency, mock drafts, the actual draft, OTAs, the official schedule announcement, etc. It's mid-March, and the league is dominating the headlines this week with the legal tampering stories, the players coming and going through trades or free agency. It just never stops. The NFL isn't perfect. There are still issues with officiating and instant replay and some guys making headlines for the wrong reasons, but by and large, the league knows how to keep us interested.
0: Absolutely, and uh, nothing more exciting than than these last few days across the whole entire league. It's been been crazy, and, and I'll tell you what, they're spending money like they're printing
1: it. Yeah, I'm surprised at some of these salaries that these guys are getting. Um, you know, d and and uh, – uh, boy, Kelsey getting a, a new deal. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Nobody thought he would get the money that he did, but he's getting some big bucks. So uh, a lot of and, money. And Nick to be made. Boll,
0: Nick Foles' total deal is about 102 million with incentives. He's 88 million contract. Wow. With uh, another 14 or 15 in incentive money, he
1: he hit bank. Good for him. He sure did. I wish him well, and hopefully, we'll see uh, a Jaguars-Eagles Super Bowl. That would be pretty cool.
0: All right. Well, hey, Chad, I have a couple tidbits of things we might have missed or hadn't even thought about. And I know that you're a rowdy fan when you go to the games. But did you know (laughs) the Utah Jazz have banned a fan for life for getting into a verbal altercation with Russell Westbrook? Mm -hmm. Westbrook was fined $25,000 for cursing at the fan, but the fan is banned for life for talking to a player.
1: Have you ever done that? I have never yelled at a player, no.
0: I thought that was all right when we bought a ticket to not abuse them, but we certainly could boo them and say stuff to them. Hey, we mentioned Jordan Hicks heading out of town. Did you know, Chet, Hicks not only got a $12 million signing bonus, but also got eight more million of guaranteed money. Life is good for Jordan Hicks, talking about hitting bank for an Mm -hmm. injury-plag guy. And last, I saved the best for last, Chet. Flyers goaltender Brian Elliott is a two-time All-Star. Did you know that he was selected in the ninth round with a 291st pick in the 2003 NHL draft. That is exactly one player from the last player drafted. He's now with his fifth team, has won 214 NHL games. Nice career for Brian Elliott. And just in case you wanted to know, Chet, Arseny Bodarov was selected last by the Jersey Devils. Thought you'd like to know. All right, with that, We've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Larry Anderson, Bob Vitron Jr., our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Avoy of Allstate Insurance of Westchester. For Jim Chet Chess Code, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, March 20th at 7 p.m. High hopes, Philadelphia sports
2: fans. Think I maybe want to take a ride. Want to take a ride Into Philadelphia